ready. From the logo, he launches. Aim. Good if it goes. Good! Bullseye. She'll take it and she'll make it. This is Bullseye on Bulls Unlimited. Wants to drive in. That's a big shot fail and one. On today's show, you'll hear from women's basketball head coach Jose Fernandez, one of the Bulls players, and we'll check in with a member of one of the other sports teams at South Florida. Now, your Bullseye hosts, Derek Sharp, Kaylee Cottrell, and Joey Johnston. Whereas a couple weeks back, we focused on the men's basketball team with Amir Abdurrahim and Chris Youngblood. And don't worry, we're going to talk about the men's basketball team and what they've been up to here shortly. <laughs> Today, our guest will be Jose Fernandez, along with one of his leaders, Romy Levy, on the program. We'll also always step outside of the basketball court and speak to someone else, this time on the golf course. Not actually on the golf course, but talking with men's golf coach Steve Bradley. Let's chat about the men's team, because since we talked to Amir Abdurrahim, uh, they were getting ready to play Rice. That was a memorable game. Mm -hmm. Then Memphis, then Wichita. And Joey, you've been there at all the games. Uh, has there been any one particular player that's done anything memorable in any of the uh, second halves of those, hmm. of those games? You know what? Kaysen Pryor comes to mind. <laughs> he has been not only guy. productive, but he's been border, borderline amazing and incredible. He's doing things I don't think I've seen at this program. Uh, just his, and it's not just the scoring and the rebounding, but the game against Rice. He scored, he rebounded, he made almost all of his free throws, and he had five blocks and five steals. Ball is tipped and taken away by Pryor again. He's on a run out all by himself. Boom, there's a two-handed boat. Kaysen Pryor is a one-man show on a Friday night. Wow. Wow. Kaysen Pryor. Made that one, too. They've clawed their way back. 68-68 tie with 2.20 to go. This crowd is on its feet. Yes. Making lots of noise. Rice has got a big challenge. Here's Evie drifting left. Pryor pokes at it, took another one away. Into the hands of Reed. Bulls have a four on two. Bounce past the young blood. Reverse layup. Didn't go. Who got it? Pryor got it. Pryor did it again. He did it again. He did it again. Put back by Pryor. Bulls lead by two. I hope you can hear me. They're blowing the roof off this place. I had just never seen a game that complete uh, from start to finish, and he has followed up on that. He's, he's getting to the point where, where now a double-double is like the expected production from him. He's a 6'10 guy that can play every position. I mean, he is exciting to watch. And I tell you what, if you're a fan and you catch him on the way in or out, he's going to get a picture with you. And he's a fan favorite. <laughs> That's uh, what I was going to say, too. He has that spark that he really knows how to hype up and energize the crowd. Pryor jumps him and had it taken away, and then Selden fouls him. Kaysen Pryor cat-like instincts has gotten his hand on a lot of basketballs today and he did it again now he's pumping up the building <laughs> oh boy you gotta love that kid and get them into it he has that unique little special trait about him it's it's one speed with him and you mentioned double double sometimes those are just going to come naturally if you attack the glass but uh he's been making some pretty clutch shots and some some clutch moves as well case and prior wide open Shot clock down to 10. Kaysen drives it into the paint between the legs twice. Steps back, shoots from 15. Good! Kaysen Pryor with seven on the shot clock, 17 on the game clock. Give the Bulls a four-point lead. Yeah, yeah. He, he Once he gets rolling, it seems like once he makes his first basket, uh, he's on a roll. And not only from the field, but from the free throw line, he's shooting about 90% in conference games. <laughs> he takes his sweet time. And opponents, we talked about that on the show opponents, with Amir. Opponents count it down. They're one, two, three. Two thumbs up does Kaysen Pryor. He wants the ball dried off a little bit. Yep. 
Well, this guy has got a flair for the dramatic, doesn't he? Yes. He and wants the stage to himself. And he's got a routine <laughs> that he's got to stick to, and he's, to, and he's sticking to it. But he gets eight to ten seconds, and he's ready, and he, he is unbelievable at the free throw line. So clearly one of the better players we've seen around here in a long time, and, and, and the best could be yet to come. Well, i got to ask you what it was like being there in Memphis. We hear, heard it on Bulls Unlimited, where we do the radio broadcast. Joey does every game with Jim Lighthall. Uh, as you're seeing this, they played there against Temple in Philadelphia on Wednesday. They're coming up back at home on Saturday. What was that like being there? I know you oh. got to try and keep it together, <laughs> but it must have been hard. Yeah, it was something else. First, it was an unusual day. It was very cold in Memphis, and people were having trouble traveling on the road, so the, the crowd was a little smaller than, than normal. Maybe that worked in USF's advantage, but Memphis got off to a big lead. In fact, they led by 20 points in the second half. Very difficult to come back from something like that, but this... This USF team just has a way of chipping away, chipping away, not panicking. They held it together. They've got some great leadership. And down the stretch, they just they played better than Memphis. Memphis had scored 63 points in the second half of their previous game. <laughs> USF held them to 26 That's on this night. And, of course, uh, the clutch tying layup by Jaden Reed, the freshman. And then, uh, of course, the Johnny on the spot case. And Pryor gets the free throw to win the game. And uh, when, once Memphis's shot fell short. Rebound by Walton to near midcourt. Official goes down. Quinterly fires a three. Off the rim, the Bulls have done it. Oh my God, the Bulls have done it. We have witnessed one of the great wins in the history of USF men's basketball. USF had beaten a top 10 team for the first time in 14 years, so one of the great moments in the history of the program. And I thought uh, if Kaysen did anything in the next game, he was going to be the AAC Player of the Week. Kaylee, you yeah. were there. He did a lot again, another double-double. Yeah. Did that impress you, uh, how they were able to follow it up? Because that's not a guaranteed thing, and, right. and come back again against Wichita. Yeah, I mean, that Memphis game, I was screaming in my <laughs> living room, absolutely screaming. Same, same. But, I had the system, I mean, by the way. I had the stats on this computer, yeah. <laughs> which were two seconds ahead of the radio call, which were two seconds ahead of the TV call, because I kind of, I wanted to know that we won or lost right away. I mean, it was that tense, you yeah, know, watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and my mind even goes back to the Rice game before that. I mean, that sparked something, yeah. I think, that was so unreal. That reminded me of last year's UCF game, that environment. Because yep. that, Yingling Center was rocking that game. So then to have Memphis and then, um, you know, this last game, it's, I thought, you know, are they going to have like a little hangover after Memphis? You know, yeah. you never know, but for them to, to come back with the way they did at Wichita State. And for it to be the same day as the Bucks cool. playoff game and still have a good crowd there, That's right? That's right. Yeah, the turnouts have been incredible. I was at both games this past weekend, women's on Saturday and men on Sunday, and both I, I, crowds were You know, I think, I think the thing is, I think the crowds are going to keep getting bigger and bigger yeah. because, look, this is a fun team to watch. Yeah. I mean, and they're winning. And they've got uh, they've got a lot of interesting pieces on this team, guys to watch that are that are are, are, are tremendously talented. Uh, Bulls have won four of their first five conference games for the first time since the building opened here when it was the Sun Dome. <laughs> so we are amid something I think very special with the men's basketball team. They got to keep winning, but they're off to a tremendous start in the league. Well, the next chance for you guys to see them is Saturday at home against UTSA. Then the women's basketball team plays Sunday against East Carolina. We're going to talk to Jose Fernandez. His team is right now 3-4 and four in conference, but uh, again, uh, the other day, a very close defeat against a good North Texas team. These new teams in the conference USA, from the Conference USA have had the Bulls just barely at the end. So I think things are going to turn around. We're going to talk to him about it. Romy Levy, who has been unreal, folks, she at one point in the season, 11 games in, was averaging seven points a game. Then she got her career high 
which was 21 at the time. Since then, she has averaged in the last nine games basically what her career high was, 17 and a half points. She fire. has been unreal, <laughs> 32 against Tulane. We'll talk to her. Also talk to Steve Bradley of Men's Golf. As I continue to move my hands, I just realized <laughs> that I'm moving my hands. So we'll take a break. and I'll Good exercise, Derek. There you go. See if I can keep these things down. Stay tuned. Jose is coming up next. Here comes a three. Classic in the corner. Drains it. You saw that coming, and that is her new career high, as she has got 31 points, and it is 84 to 55. You found the all-new South Florida Coaches Show on the radio, Bullseye on Bulls Unlimited. Derek Sharp with Joey Johnston and Jose Fernandez, the head women's basketball coach, and we are here for season number 24. Jose, I know that sometimes you probably don't get the chance to sit back and reflect as we're doing it now. I mean, you got to go through your entire time here. Isn't it amazing how this program has turned around and you've been a part of the whole thing? Yeah, it's been an incredible uh, experience for uh, my family and myself. Not many coaches around the country can say that you've been at one place for for 24 years, but um, again, when when I got the opportunity to take over this program in 2000, <laughs> all right, um, it was an opportunity for for me to hire the right way and, and and build this program from scratch. And looking at what we've done and, and since taking over and where where the program has gone and where our former players. Um, have continued to play on professionally, either at the WNBA level or the overseas level, and proud of the fact of so many assistants have moved on and, and, and become head coaches. Um, University of South Florida and the city of Tampa is an incredible place to be. So there's a lot of momentum right now within our athletic department with everything going on with the year our football team and Alex Golish and his staff and his players taking us to a bowl game and a lot of excitement with uh, Amir and the men's basketball program and uh, where they're at. But uh, the building of an indoor performance facility uh, was great for recruiting for our football program and now the plans for uh, an on-campus football stadium uh, is, is truly amazing. Jose, in the 24 years you've been a head coach, that's, that's quite a long time. What how have you changed and what have you learned about you know, dealing with the ups and downs of, of, of a season and building the program? I'm sure at this point you've seen about everything. So how does that 24 years of head coaching experience come into play these days as you're older and more wiser and I'm sure more mature <laughs> than you used to be? Well, Joey, as, as we film this show, we're 20 games into our season. Um, and we're definitely in a different situation that our, that that our program, my staff, and myself has been in because we've been in the top 25 poll every year the last 10 years. So um, I wouldn't call it a rebuilding year because uh, I never want to call it a rebuilding year. You always have such a great opportunity to recruit student athletes and develop those student athletes. Uh, and unfortunately, we had to replace two pros that, that went in the draft. And then I truly believe one of the best 10 shooting guards in the country and the best player in our league and another young lady that got hurt before the season uh, that we planned on her playing for us interiorly. So there were a lot of question marks before the season went in. And, uh, you know, as now as we navigate the final 11 games of the season, um, you know, unfortunately also this is going to be a one-bid league and it hasn't been a one-bid league since the ex uh, 
inception of the American Athletic Conference. So my job is to make sure that we continue to get better every day in practice so we position ourselves that we need to go to Dallas and win uh, three games in three days. Sammy Priest is, of course, being the player he referred to. Another thing that has changed over the course of your time here and is the reason one bit league hasn't been a thing for you is your scheduling this year. NC State, Texas, Baylor, they're all teams that can make the Final Four. I'm curious, when did it switch? Because it used to be a time where you would host events, and then it became you were attracted to these or an attraction for these multi-team events. When we transitioned into the American, Derek, when we were in the Big East Conference, so it was the best league in the country, 16 teams. Eight, nine went to the NCAA tournament. The next four or five went to the NIT. And, um, so... The scheduling philosophy back then was a little different because you were going to be challenged so That's much right. in, in league play. Uh, and then when you switch over to the American, uh, we had to play uh, out of those 13, 14 non-conference games, probably seven or seven or eight of them as in, in the top 100 to, to bolster your RPI, which is now the net, <laughs> right? Which no one had, no one... No one knows the exact formula yeah, for that's a, that's a secret. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. So, um, but uh, yeah, and and those high RPI games this year in Alabama, NC State, and Baylor, and Texas, we didn't win any of those. Uh, also, Arizona State from the Pac-12, and again, it's we're in a we're in a different situation. Sure. Um, three or four or four losses in league play. We've been up two possessions with five, six minutes to go. And, um, you know, we talked about it. We hadn't lost back-to-back -back conference games in over five years. So, you know, different group, different team. Uh, but our job as coaches is to continue to practice and prepare and, and uh, you know, get ready for East Carolina this upcoming week. Jose, there's, there's a number of new teams in the American Athletic Conference this year, and maybe we weren't exactly sure how it was going to shake down. It looks like the league is maybe a little better than people thought it was going to be. Speak to the kind of competition you're seeing night in, night out in the AAC. Well, I, th I thought we added some really, really good good basketball coaches. You know, you look at um, UAB and uh, Charlotte, and Kara's been there for, her, for so long, and Jason taking over at North Texas. Karen at UTSA, so I think those programs coming in, uh, they were excited to join the American coming from where they were coming from, but um, what we need to do is our league has to continue to get better so we can get multiple teams in, in the conference because when you, when you have more top 100 teams and maybe get, get a couple top 50 net ranked teams, then you're getting more quality games in January, February. We'll wrap it up in a second. Let's talk about a big opportunity for you guys this weekend and Alumni Weekend as well. But I did want you to mention your top two players right now with Vicky and our guest on today's show, Romy. Uh, did you just know that Vicky could be that kind of score? And then we've seen Romy progress as one. We have, uh, I believe, close to 30 alumni that are going to be here this weekend. So that's nice. great with because we have a lot of alumni that, that are playing professionally overseas. So that just tells you I've, I've been here a long time that some of those guys are done playing and now they can come and enjoy alumni week but yeah vicky and romy uh romy just fits the way that 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 we play and um i thought she was a little bit out of position when she was at auburn and she's right now with her her and vicky have been the two wings that have really stood out for us um if sammy was around we'd probably find a way to play all three of them at the same spot we just had have to retool a little bit and 
probably play with four perimeters. But, um, yeah, I mean, we we lost a lot of our, our post play, and we've been very inconsistent at that four and five spot all year. Um, so we we have a small room for error when you lose someone like Sammy and, and Caitlin McGee that we probably counted on to defend and rebound interiorly. But uh, uh, down the stretch here, we're going to need we're going to need Marina Sancio to come off the bench and knock down some shots like she did. And, you know, perimeter-wise, Maria Alvarez and Carla Brito and Daniela Gonzalez just got to give us more on the offensive end and also defending interiorly. You know, and Evelina and Lore, we need to get more from that position uh, as far as finishing around the basket and, 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 and walling up, staying out of foul trouble. We look at the opportunity this weekend. It's going to be at noon on Sunday against East Carolina, important game. And right now the Bulls, in a place they're not used to being, as you say, in the schedule, but a chance to completely turn it around. And a player that's been big for the Bulls and doing so, Romy Levy, will join us in a minute. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you, guys. Bullseye continues next. This is your radio home for South Florida basketball. Bulls Unlimited. Back to Bullseye. Tulane has all the mo right now. Where do the Bulls go? Right to Levy, and she knocks it down for a career high. 25 points, no hesitation. Has Romy Levy been special? Continuing on Bullseye with Romy Levy. And Romy, we're going to get to your teammates, your family, but we got to talk about what's going on with you on the basketball court first because it's been phenomenal. I remember against IUPUI, we're in West Palm Beach. At the time, you were averaging around seven points a game, having some good games. Then you hit a career high, and since then you're you're basically averaging what was your career high. So, what has gotten into you? And I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I was waiting this whole time for the moment that the spark is going to come back. You know, everything is going to connect, and um, I kind of knew it was in me somewhere deep inside. It's been there when I was a kid. Um, kind of went away a little bit, but I think I made it to the right place, the right coach, and. It just happened, you know? I didn't really think about anything too much. Got my confidence back. We'll talk about your coach in a second, but I, even rewinding it a little bit back to the Virgin Islands, and I don't know if it's because of the fact that your old team, Auburn, you had watched them play Alabama in a football game very emotionally, but your Texas. fourth quarter performance against Texas started it to me. You were on fire that fourth quarter, and the game had been decided in favor of Texas, but you scored 10 points. Did, did that sort of, was that the beginning a little bit? I think that that game um, was a point where I saw that we're all kind of down and I was trying to be that person to bring everybody up. Um, I think it was a little tough at the beginning and we started and we kind of got punched, so I thought it was the, the time to punch back. That's a nice move by Levy. She's got six points in this quarter. She is on fire right now. Romy Levy, it is all her quarter and we're just living in it. She's got 10 points. and. Same thing. I mean, I didn't think about it too much. I think when I don't think a lot, I, I'm better, you know. Okay. So that's what happened there. And, yeah, maybe that was a little the beginning of everything. Wow. Mental note, don't think a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For me. Yeah. I already do that. <laughs> when I've talked to some of you guys after the game in post-game interviews, when I've asked about the continued success of this team and this program, a common answer is Coach Jose. Coach Jose, talk to me about your relationship with him and what it's like working with him. Man. <laughs> um, I think that throughout my career, I had a lot of ups and downs with a lot of, with a lot of coaches. Uh, I think that a good coach is, is basically who's going to get the best out of you or 
the worst out of you. Um, I think that having Coach Jose was the thing that brought the, the best out of me. Um, and he knows exactly where to put me in the situations that are going to put me in the best, like best on the court. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, you know, I was looking for, I was looking for it for a long time, being in Auburn, um, and then coming here. I knew that coming here is going to be the right decision. Just watching how the team plays, um, knowing the coaches, you know, being around Europe, seeing other players, and understanding the the type of basketball player that I am. Um, so, so yeah, I think that. I got lucky. What yeah. was that transition like, that whole decision process? Wow. I think it was a roller coaster. I think that at first, uh, the first year at Auburn, of course, um, we got into a coaching staff change. So after the first year, I mean, I had a, a decent year. I got SEC freshman team and all of that. Then the second year, um, I tore my ACL. So I didn't really get to play at all, obviously. Um, and then after this time, I found out that that's probably not the right place for me. Um, seeing the new coaching staff coming coming in, but um, of course I had to come back to myself, come back to basketball after an injury. So I decided to take another year at Auburn um, and kind of trust my body. So I did that, but I knew that I need to find a better fit. So I, I remember, I mean, it was kind of towards the end of the season, and I called my dad and I told him I know where I want to go. I mean, there's no question. And I think we used all the connections possible to reach out to Coach Jose and Coach B and push it as much as possible. They're probably in the NCAA tournament still, and we <laughs> did not let go. I mean, I, I called my dad every day. If it's the middle of the night, if it's in Israel or whatever time it was, and I told him, I don't care. I'm going to end up there. I mean, I'm not going to fall in a, into a bed school again. So. Wow. Well, we'll talk about your dad in Israel growing up in a second, and Coach B is Michelle Woods-Baxter, but everyone has their different experiences with the torn ACL, and unfortunately, <laughs> one of your teammates is having one now. Uh, we were talking before we started recording, uh, rehab not only is difficult, but the wake-up call, come on now, 5 a.m., <laughs> take us through your experience. Yeah, I think that going through an injury like this, it's, it's hard mentally more than physically, hmm. um, but... Coming out of the injury, I'm such a, I'm just a better person. I think that I grew as a person. I think that I learned, I learned a lot of things about myself. Um, I learned that I'm more than just a basketball player, which was really, really big for me because, you know, started playing basketball when I was three or four, and this is basically what was my life around. Um, no, not a lot of friendships, not a lot of you know, school focused. Uh, it was a lot of a lot of basketball all the time, um, and going through this injury and getting this one year out of basketball and focusing on my body and myself and my mental health. I think that I think that it was really really important. So yeah, I keep I have a memory on my leg. You know, I have a scar. I have three scars on my knee, but it's I think it's a journey that was worth having. I, I don't want to go through it again, but right, I think that I think that it's something that. You know, I couldn't prevent, and I'm happy that it happened because I turned into a better person. Wow. You talk about starting when you were two or three playing basketball. Yes. And when you look, I mean, one of the tallest on the team, right? So growing up, that background, you're 6'3"? Right now? I'm yes. 6'3". Yeah, okay, yep. so I'm 5'10", so I'm tall. I'm not, you know, don't have your, your sort of height. But I'm the short I, guy here. <laughs> I sprouted early. I think when I was about 14, I was 5'8 already. So in your basketball journey were you did you ever use that to your advantage growing up your height or, or anything did that play a role 
I don't think that I noticed how tall I was until <laughs> I got to college. I mean, European players are, are tall, okay. mm. you know? And I think the biggest difference I had at home that I don't probably have here is that I was more athletic than the kids at home, back home. Ah. Um, here, I mean, you know, there's so many great players and great athletes that it's really hard to compete. But um, yeah, I was, I was one of the, the tallest kids. Um, but I had that summer, I remember, maybe I was between the age of 13 and 14, where I had a huge jump in my height. Um, so I was kind of average, and then I came back from summer break. I was with my dad overseas, and we came back after maybe four weeks, and my mom looked at me and she said, whoa, that's a different person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I remember, I remember this time specific, specifically. So you mentioned becoming more of a person. Uh, I just got to tell you, folks, she is one of the most engaging, humble, nice, intelligent mm -hmm. people on the team. And I want to go back to your, your, your time in Israel, back to the athletic side, because your grandmother, your mother played for the national team, your older sister as well. But tell people about a little bit about your grandma. <laughs> yeah, my grandma, I think that's, I think she's the, the reason we, everybody started in the family, you know. Um, walking into my grandma's house is just walking into a museum of, full of medals and trophies and all of that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. She, she was, everybody's like, star in the family, you know? You look around and you see how successful she was. She's such an inspiring woman. Mm -hmm. So she was actually a track and field athlete. Right. She was a long jump and a high jump. She was in the Olympics. In the Olympics. In the Olympics, <laughs> yes. Yeah. In Helsinki, I think it was around 1952. You got it. Yep. Um, so it all started with her. And then my grandfather was a basketball coach. And my mom played on the national team. Of course, my grandma played basketball as well in the national team, so she was a track and field and a basketball player. I, I don't know how we can do it nowadays, but yeah. <laughs> That's an impressive multi-sport right. athlete to have the Olympics be one of your sports right. to begin so with. So my mom played in the national team, and then my sister played basketball, and I also always looked up at my sister, which is funny because now she's, she doesn't play basketball anymore. But I always looked up at my sister and was like, oh, I want to be like my sister one day. So, you know, growing up in a family like this, you don't have a lot of choices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your sister, by the way, now a very famous model, so she's gone on from her basketball career to be famous in a different way. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, uh, growing up over there, you, you also have the compulsory uh, military service for two years. That's why you know, she sounds might be more mature than the normal person. <laughs> As we all know what's happening back in your country, I just want to check on your parents. How's your family doing? My family, have you got to see yeah. them? My family is doing, you know, okay, as much as possible. I think it's just heartbreaking news every single day coming in and out. Everybody is having a part of it. Everybody is having a, a piece of it. I mean, I knew some people that, that died and my cousin got injured and, you know, there's a lot of things into it. So I always remember when I get on the court that I'm in a really, really good situation right now. And there's some people that are really going, you know, some people at home that are actually fighting for our country and I just appreciate every moment that I can be here. But you know, seeing my mom and my dad and my sister all trying to volunteer and help and just do as much as they can, I mean, warms my heart. I wish I could be there. So I hope I can go after the season. Well, to be able to play as well as you've been playing, really, that puts it into perspective of as far as what she's dealing with, and we really commend you for it. Now let's talk about some of your teammates. And they got some goofballs on the team, good basketball <laughs> players as well. Uh, so who is the comedian on the team? The comedian on the team, 
Probably Maria. Yeah. Yeah, she's always making jokes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Heard yeah. she was like a big prankster. You also said Oliva was. Yeah, Oliva is a. Oliva is a prankster. Yes. <laughs> but I think Maria is just like, just like you can't take her serious sometimes. <laughs> she's also the musical heartbeat of the team. Yes. Uh, yes. So can any of, outside of the fact that she can just produce music, can anybody actually sing on the team? Well. I don't know if I will say well, mm -hmm. but we have one person on the team that will not stop singing. I mean, every situation, serious, sad, I mean, no matter what it is, the national anthem, she doesn't even know the words. Mm -hmm. But I stand right next to Oliva, she is to my right, and she will just <laughs> try so hard. So I think oh. she really has a passion to it. I just don't want to tell her that she's not really good, but... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, failing singing, you can actually appreciate music. I understand that you've been to some concerts here. Yes. One, one artist in particular? Beyonce. Love. That's your thing? Amazing. So good. Went Amazing. on my birthday. 10 out of 10. I'm so glad that I'm in Tampa because all the best artists come here, and I mean, I'm not going to miss any of it. And you're a country oh. music fan, too. Yes, I love country. Since coming to the States. Yes. Well, living in Alabama for three years, I think you have to. <laughs> Better be Surrounded. <laughs> all right. Now, as we start to wrap it up here, a culinary situation here. First of all, we share love for Fresh Kitchen. Yes. And I'm this, missing out, apparently. This one's never yeah, heard of. Yeah, you are missing been. out. Ugh, so I mean, good. it's the best. Is it? It's simple ingredients. Is they it? get it Fresh. too quick. Okay. Fresh kitchen. Hence the name. Okay. I mean, if I, if I told you on a normal conversation that you have to have golden chickpeas, you'd be like, I can't be good. Right. Trust right. me on that. But can okay. anybody cook on the team? I think you yeah. could probably cook. I was about to say, I mean, I'm not trying to like, trying to stay humble here, but I think probably I can, I can, I can be the, the one of the best. little chef on our hands? Yeah. Okay. I love cooking when I have time. Probably not in season. I'm super lazy. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll cook during off days. I will, I'll make whatever you, you want me to make. So nice. I like cooking, yeah. Nice. You have a signature dish? Go to? I really like shakshuka. It's like an Israeli dish. Oh, wow. Right? Shakshuka. It's like uh, eggs and tomatoes. Well, I'll have to make it one day. I was to say, yeah. clearly you need to you come need up a little with sampling. Israeli <laughs> coffee for us as yeah, well. The coffee. Yeah, the coffee. Coffee yeah, the coffee Well, you look alert, awake, and just we, we, <laughs> love, we love watching you. Keep doing do. what you're doing, and thanks thank for you. being our guest. Thank, thank you, you, thank you. We'll continue along next as we get to the golf course with Steve Bradley on Bullseye. Bullseye continues on Bulls Unlimited. Here in the USF Golf Center with Steve Bradley, the men's head golf coach, and getting ready for the spring season in a few weeks. And if there's any team that can't wait for the season, I would say to start, but to resume because the fall was so good, right. it's you, coach. Tell people it's a little bit different with golf right. and where you guys are going to be leaving off or picking up where you left off, hopefully. Yeah, it, uh, even though we're considered a spring sport, we do compete all year. The tournaments we play in September and October are just as important as the ones that we play in March and April. So, excuse me, it's a continuation all year. So we are excited to get going again, certainly finish the fall uh, on a positive, winning our last two events, played really solid up in Northwestern's event in Chicago, our, our second event of the fall. So um, got a lot of momentum, not only from a team chemistry and dynamic point of view, but the guys that played a little bit in the offseason individually uh, had some positive results for that. So we're, we're excited to get going again. We'll get into the quote-unquote off-season because you're right, it's in the middle of the season. But uh, you said Northwestern, that was an event where you guys shot 15 under in the middle round and you carry that over to the next week, you win an event, and then you just blow it up 38 under in your fi final event. So what really uh, clicked for the men's golf team? Well, I, I think that, to be honest with you, uh, comfort. Um, we've got several starters that uh, this is their first year at USF, so just whether it's football or basketball or any sport, coach dynamic personalities, how – 
we coach, how we run practices, how we coach during tournaments, um, you know, the messages they're used to receiving, whatever it may be. So it takes a little bit of a feeling out process. So especially with Cooper and Brock uh, being new to us um, this past year or this season, and, and Jake's been with us for a year now, but it's still, you know, they're still getting to know that, you know. Not everyone's like Sam's been here for four and a half years, and, uh, you know, the COVID fifth year guy. But um, so, yeah, we we just, I think, kind of found our groove a little bit and how we can relate to these guys. And um, certainly the you mentioned some of the scores. A lot of those are on the back half of the 36 hole days. So right. You start a tournament, maybe a little nerves, maybe a little unfamiliar with the golf course to an extent. And as you kind of get in the flow of everything, um, you just play golf. And, and um, certainly our scores are indicative of the guys getting more comfortable. All three of those really low-scoring events, the middle round, which is the second round of the 36-hole day, was your best score. You mentioned Cooper coming in from UNF. He's a local kid. Uh, Jake, of course, was here last year, transferred from Western Carolina, and also Brock from Kennesaw State. Uh, when you played golf, let's just say there was no transfer portal, <laughs> although he had an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. He transferred I did transfer FF before the transfer portal. From Florida State to Florida, <laughs> incidentally. Right. So, right. uh, But... Uh, how has that impacted golf? It's impacted every sport I know. It has. Um, and as strange as our team is with a couple transfers on, I'm not a huge fan of it, to be quite mm -hmm. honest with you. I, I couldn't imagine coaching another sport with the way it is. But um, we have certainly benefited more than, than it's hurt us. Um, we've lost a couple guys to it. But uh, by the net net of it, I mean, we, we are a significantly better program because of the transfer portal. And I think – Regardless of whether it's a freshman or somebody coming in with some college experience, finding that right dynamic and the personality of how they're going to sure. fit in, not only athletically at USF, but also academically in the standards we have. And, and Coach Caldwell and I and the program we're trying to run um, and trying to teach these young men to be good assets and ambassadors of our program as well as USF and USF Athletics. So um, we've been fortunate that we've, we've done a good job in the transfer portal. Mentioned Coach Caldwell, B-Rad Caldwell. is a big part of this program. Been here for more than a handful of years. Yeah. Uh, now, last year, didn't quite have the full roster that you're no <laughs> normally having, and it ended a string of nine straight tips trips to the NCAA tournament. So let's get into the roster makeup. First of all, uh, people might not realize you have a starting five. Right. And uh, each round dropped the lowest score. Uh, but you bring more than five. Last year, you didn't really have that much of an option. So how is it nice to have a full roster? I, I think that's part of the um, success we've had is the, com the competitiveness we've had in, yeah. in qualifying. Uh, we've got 10 guys on the squad. Eight have played. We played four tournaments in the fall. We played four different starting lineups. So wow. the guys know that they have to bring it around town during qualifying, whether that's playing five rounds of qualifying and in the low three rounds or the low three guys get get a spot automatically and two coaches picks or playing for four and one coaches pick but um, really kind of depends on the time of the year and how we do things but you're right um, us having a, a bigger roster and not only us having a bigger roster but the guys are better I think what we went through last year as unfortunate as it was has made us better this year because of it um, certainly Chase got a lot of playing time last year and his game has improved significantly because of that um, as well as Jake, and I mean, whether they were playing good or not, they were they were playing. Sure. So they were fighting through some of the demons that they were having out there on the golf course and some of the challenges. So um, we went through it. Certainly wasn't uh, great at the time, but I think it's made us a better program this year for it. Chase Gullickson, he mentions qualifying. Yeah, the, the, during in between events, they have qualifying events that's against one another. So right. you don't just pick a starting lineup out of a hat, right. that kind of thing. But also during this, you mentioned it off season, you are allowed to have players compete individually. Now, this, I'm always going to ask a dumb question from time to time. Uh, first of all, 
other than how they've done, how mm. they've competed. Uh, with everything that's going on in the NIL, can you actually win prize money during these events? You or is can it different win. Program? No, you can win some prize money. It's not an exorbitant amount, but okay. they can win up to, I believe, $1,000 now, okay. um, which certainly it, it usually goes towards pro shop credit, so they get more golf polos and golf <laughs> balls and stuff like that. And I would go for they that. Probably, you probably you, you might want that. They, they get enough of those sort of things. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, we did have several guys. As a matter of fact, everybody on the team has competed um, at some point between November and, and here mid-January. So, uh, Diego is actually down in Panama right now playing in the Latin American Am. Uh, Brock and um, Wilhelm just got done with the First Coast Am up in St. Augustine uh, this past week. And then Cooper uh, Smith won the New Year's Invitational over in St. Pete. Killed uh, it, didn't he? He had, a, he had a great event. He beat, beat everybody's brains in there. And then um, Jake's had a really nice offseason. Sam's played solid. Um, so it's nice. Um, that they are competitive enough where they want to try to continue to improve in the offseason. It uh, doesn't take much pushing from Coach Caldwell and I. So um, hopefully by the time we get ready to get going here in mid-February, our first team event at UF, uh, the guys won't have as much rust as, as maybe some of the other guys. February 17th is the event at UF. And going into it, we finally know what the ranking is. You don't have to go yeah. into the whole story. There was a drama with the ranking system being right, changed, right. but when the computers finally spat out the official number for the Bulls, where are we? I think we're 37 right now. That's a good spot. Uh, yeah, it's a good spot. Uh, certainly, you always want to be better than that. Uh, I do think that um, the schedule that we have set, set, uh, set up for us in the spring, the severity of it, um, if we handle our business, we will improve significantly. But at the end of the day, really the only thing you're trying to do is win conference championship, sure. uh, qualify for the NCAA postseason. You can do that by winning the conference or claiming an at-large bid. And, um, and so that's, those are really the goals ahead of us. I mean, whether you rank 58th in the country or 8th in the country, you're still trying to win conference. You're still trying to qualify for NCAA regionals and then ultimately advance to the NCAA championship. So um, the rankings, we don't pay much attention to, but there was a lot of turmoil with it and uncertainty with it and I think everyone wants to know kind of where they're ranked but sure. at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't change how we show up each and every day and try to improve and then people might not realize well there's a lot of grinds as far as winning national championships there's no easy way to win it but with golf tell people the layout because getting through your regional is the first test right but then and you've been there right. several times yes, I think sir. four with yes. the South Florida Bulls yeah. as a coach at the NCAA championships to win the thing well, <laughs> yeah, well, first off, there are six regional sites throughout the country, and the low, uh, there's anywhere from 12 to 14 teams at each site, and, and the low five teams advance to the NCAA. So there's 30 teams at NCAAs. And then you play four rounds of stroke play, and the low eight teams then, then go to match play. And so then they'll play three more rounds of match play. So um, you're playing seven rounds of golf in, in uh, six days, ultimately, to, to be crowned the national championship. And um, you know, certainly we Nice to be to have that problem to have. I see it's not in Arizona this it's year. It's not by in the way. Arizona. It's a Darn, new site it's this San year. Diego. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be 110. Hopefully, it'll be 75 and perfect. And, and we'd like to find out for sure. <laughs> well, the Bulls hope to be there, but for their plenty of events in the spring. And golf is again. We talk about the unique situation where the fall and the spring count equally. Another unique situation for golf, unfortunately, is you know most sports you have crowds. Even for road games, you have crowds. Um, 
at golf. I don't know if a lot of students, as much as they want, like you yeah, guys, are going to travel yeah. to Wisconsin or wherever and root for you. <laughs> we have many home chances for the other than families, other people to come to check you guys out. So we've got a one-day event against Northwestern, January 27th, Saturday, January 27th, up at Southern Hills in Brooksville. So it's about 45 okay. minutes away. It's not bad. Um, and we play at 12.30 in the afternoon, so they don't have to get up extra early to go up and watch us or anything like that. And I've already checked the forecast. It's supposed to be about 75 to 80 degrees, so that's good. Excellent. Um, we play at UF, so a couple hours away, but the next closest will be uh, the conference championship, which is over in Bel Air, uh, St. Pete area. That's um, at the third week of April, and that would be the event we'd want everybody to show up for. Be as loud as they possibly can for the Bulls, and, and hopefully cheer our guys on to uh, another conference championship. Now, as we start to wrap it up, I got a couple fun questions. Obviously, uh, gear. Yes. Uh, you know, some individuals wear certain order of shirts. Do you guys have any sort of not superstition, but traditional like first round, second round, third round, or is it whatever you're? I know you have a lot of options, by the way. We, we typically start the year with letting the guys pick the uniforms, and then eventually just kind of the OCD of Coach Caldwell and I and trying to plan and get the itinerary of the adventure, we just kind of do it. But um, we are superstitious, and we do have certain shirts that the guys feel better in. They have certain shirts that they think they look better in. Um, which is a very important part of which golf. Is, which is a very important part of golf. And some guys think they look really good, and they play really poorly in it, so that shirt's out. So... Um, we do kind of go through those uh, revolving uh, superstitions and changing of outfits and uniforms and everything like that. So it, it's quite funny to kind of see how we, we do it. Of your individuals, who's, who has the goofiest set of superstitions or just everyone's got their bizarre rituals? Yeah, everyone's kind of got their bizarre rituals. Golfers are, I mean, it's an indiv individual sport. So they all are used to doing their own thing. I mean, everyone warms up differently. Some guys like to putt and chip before they hit balls. Some guys like to eat certain things for breakfast beforehand, you know, so it's not like uh, the other sports where there's a team catered meal typically, you know, whether it's a hotel breakfast or we're grabbing something at Chick-fil-A or whatever it may be. But um, guys like they're kind of, they have their own idiosyncrasies in the morning and how they do things, but they all are a little superstitious <laughs> in certain ways with the number of T's they carry in their pockets to how they mark their balls and everything like that. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. Forbid you short a T <laughs> in your pocket. And last thing, it seems like they've got a good, you've got a good group of characters because I saw the video yeah. of people impersonating you. Yeah. And uh, listening to you now, I mean, a couple of the guys were okay. But this phrase, you did say it once, but that was it. Whatever it may be. Right. All right, guys. Good effort here. Control what you control. Whatever it may be. He says that too much. Whatever it may be. Hey, guys. Just the hand rubs every time. Whatever it may be. That's the only thing he says over and over again. I mean, did you clean it up for this uh, particular area? I've, I've thought long and hard, and I think that they're messing with me a little bit. I don't say it nearly as much as I, yeah. I believe. Uh, I did ask Coach Caldwell, and he's like, I've never heard you say that phrase. I asked my wife. She's like, there has to be something. So I think there's some playing it up a little bit. Uh -huh. I think when they got the first question and then they went to everybody else, they followed on with I it. I think they said, let's, All right. let's go with this. So, so whatever it may be, that's probably not it. Whatever it may be, I will take it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, am, I enjoy this group. They are Good. a fun group. They work hard. They're competitive, and uh, we're excited to get the spring going. Well, you heard it. This weekend, this Saturday, you can check out the Bulls, and then, of course, the season starts in a couple weeks after that in full. Best of luck. Thank you. Let's Appreciate it, back Derek. that NCAA Thank tournament. You. Go Bulls. You're listening to Bullseye on Bulls Unlimited sitting on my hands because I did not stop moving them the whole time. 
This is the only way we're doing this. No, that actually is not very good either. <laughs> As we wrap it up here. I talk with my hands too, so I get it. I know no, it. I, get it. I know it, but I didn't know that I had a whole language with it. <laughs> but we're good. And then, you know, I, you, sometimes I'll catch you, catch myself in the background, Joy, you can see you guys on TV, especially mm -hmm. at the Yingling Center, and you seem very calm during the broadcast. Is that right? Oh. You have to sort of keep Jim Whitehall in the Yeah, Jim's, pre Jim's pretty excitable. He can, I know they have to <laughs> modulate the volume sometimes when, yes. when exciting things happen. <laughs> and I, I actually love his calls when there's a big dunk or something. He, he almost makes me double up in laughter. Here's Keyshawn Bryant down the far sideline. Keyshawn drives it all the way. Goes the basket. Oh, my goodness gracious. He just tore the rim down. Keyshawn Bryant just dunked. That was filthy. Keyshawn Bryant, go to the basket. <laughs> he just dunked over the rest of Epcot. Animal Kingdom, the Princess, Aladdin, they all got it. Holy smokes, what My a dunk. goodness. <laughs> with, his, with his impromptu discussions. I, I love tell listening you, to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you are starting to get a little bit of my radio broadcast partner for the women's games is Bridget Miranda, and she is like the emotional backdrop to the whole broadcast because mm. she will make noises. She'll say, oh, that's a good yeah. No. Oh, oh. Puisis almost has her pass intercept shot straight in. Oh, also that. Oh, long. my goodness. You are starting to get that, that uncontrollable burst of excitement during the men's game because they're starting to happen more it's, often. Well, there's a lot to, uh, to there's a lot of exciting things going on. I think yeah. that's part of it. It's it, it's reacting to, to this team, which, you know, as you know, in basketball particularly can be ups and downs, and what you are in March is not what you are in November, and I think that's definitely true for this men's team. I You know, you see things happening before your eyes. You see it kind of blossoming. Your hands. And, am I doing this right, Derek, yeah. by the way? Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> But I, I truly do think this is this could be a very special men's basketball team that is capable of growing into something maybe very memorable in March. Yeah. You know, they've had a lot of great players in their past. It is alumni weekend for both the men's and the women's games. So everybody, come on out Saturday to watch the guys at 4 o'clock. And the question that will be on everybody's mind, naturally, uh, we have all the Charlie Bradley at the top of the list. He was actually a halftime guest. He was at the mm -hmm. game in Memphis uh, that are going to be there that usually come. But can Derek Sharp come? And if so, <laughs> wouldn't that please, be the best? Please, please. I want that photo. I, I will be there. <laughs> I will be there. The other Derek Sharp, as I call him. Uh, that'll be a fun one. And then uh, on Sunday, as you heard Jose Fernandez mention, it'll be a lot of the women's basketball alumni, and they're playing against East Carolina at noon. So in a couple weeks, we'll be back with another episode of Bullseye. We'll return to Amir Abdul-Rahim. We'll also have a member of that team and continue to bring you a lot of Bulls hoops. For Kaylee Cottrell and Joey Johnston, thank you guys for listening. I'm Derek Sharp, and keep those horns up.